Well, praise the Lord. It is so good to be back with you from my spring sabbatical. I've missed you. Uh, I've been praying for you. I want to just take time to express my heartfelt appreciation and my thanks to my staff. What a fantastic staff we have here at Wenatchee First Assembly. They've just risen to the occasion. Thank you to Pastor Darth Creek, who has led the staff and the church in my absence with just a steadfast heart, a love for God. I want to thank Pastor Mike Johnson. Love Mike. He pastored Bend at First Assembly for a number of years, and then more recently was the interim pastor over at East Wenatchee at Breath of Life. Mike did a great job. I appreciate that. But most of all, I want to say thank you to you, you as the church. It's amazing the faithfulness in your service. Our staff has been calling people. They've been asking if there's any need. And you know, they found out that many of those needs have already been met organically because you have been the church. You've reached out. You have done the work of the ministry. And I just want to thank you for that. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your giving. We cut some expenses, and our income is down, but not substantially. And we're able to continue to minister, continue to support our missionaries. And it's all because of your faithfulness. So thank you so much. I really am excited to be back because I feel God has given me a message uh, for us today. But before I read the word and comment on that, I just want to take a few minutes to share with you from my heart. You know, it's been a crazy season of time. Who would have ever thought uh, the last two months were going to look like they have been. And a lot has changed since I detached two months ago for a sabbatical. I've been thinking about it. It's kind of like, in my mind, a boat, a boat on a, on a body of water that suddenly hit a rock, and uh, the ship started to sink. And there was a storm, and man, there were people who were scared and people who were confused. And some people actually were hurt. Some people fell overboard and drowned. And Man, there's so many questions. How could this have ever happened? Well, you know, during times like that, we tend to find reasons, and we try to find people that we can blame. That's just typical of our human heart. In Genesis, we know in the Garden of Eden, what's the first thing Adam and Eve did? They looked for somebody to blame for their situation. And man, we can find all sorts of people to blame, can't we? We could blame the skipper of the boat. We could blame the builder of the boat. Or we could say, no, it's the designer of the boat. He should have seen that. We could blame the lighthouse operator. We could blame the meteorologist saying, they should have been more accurate in their weather forecast or this never would have happened. And you know, all those things are legitimate questions. But first and foremost, when you're going through a crisis, you need to reach out to the people who are affected, the people who are hurt, and I believe that's the same way during this pandemic. Our first priority must be to help people in our church, people in our community, people in our country, people in our world who are hurting, who are fearful, who are grieving, some who are absolutely overwhelmed. I can't imagine being a single mom with four or five kids and being at home every day. I believe as a pastor and I believe as a church, our primary job has got to be to bring healing and hope to people right now. 
Not to be casting blame, not to be questioning, but to bring hope. Proclaim and shine forth the hope that we have in Jesus. In this gospel, we need to bring the good news to people, to be the hands of Jesus, to be his feet, to be his voice, to bring Jesus into the situation. Because you know what happens anytime the presence of Jesus comes into a situation, there's peace. And that's what people need right now. It's a difficult time, no doubt, for all of us. It's confusing. It's frustrating. We all have our own questions. And, you know, there's no clear-cut, single right or wrong answer to those questions. And some people blame the president. Some people blame the governor. Some people blame the Chelan County or Douglas County Health Department. Seems like everybody blames the media. And we all have opinions about those things. And a lot of that depends on which lens we look through. Because as always, how you see is what you see. If you're in the healthcare industry right now, providing services to those who are struggling and have COVID, you're going to see things different from someone that hasn't been affected by this virus. If you look through a certain political lens, it's going to affect the way that you see things. If you've lost a loved one, we have two families here at Wenatchee First Assembly who have loved ones die to COVID. They weren't able to be with their loved ones. They weren't able to have funerals or memorial services. So that grief is going to be the lens that they look through. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you've had to close your business. We all look through different lens. And I just want to share with you, friends, you might not totally understand someone else's perspective, but be kind to one another. Be kind to your neighbors. Exercise love, humility, grace. COVID should not be dividing the church. It should be uniting us because we have good news for people right now. I remember what Paul said in one of the epistles. He said, above all else, live as citizens of heaven. When we are birthed into the kingdom of God, our primary citizenship is in heaven. Not that our earthly citizenship isn't important, but there's something even more important, and that's our heavenly citizenship. So friends, I encourage you that your first lens that you look through during this crisis, during this recovery period when we need to make important decisions, let that lens be the lens of Jesus, the lens of God's Word, the lens of our citizenship in heaven, the lens of the gospel. I encourage you, let's look through that lens. Man, we've got great opportunities. The way we function as a church might not be the same as it was but we can still function as a church. Jesus said he would build his church. And he's going to do that regardless of what crisis we're going through. No matter whether we can meet in the building or not, God will build his church. You know, a good point being, the church is actually growing faster in countries like Iraq and China where the believers have never had opportunity to meet. Yes, I want to meet again, and we're going to work toward that. But it's not necessary for us to be the church and to do the work of God. 
our goal is to gather again, just as, as feasible as possible, to open up the building again. Man, there's so many factors to consider. Pray for church leadership. There's not only the legality issues, there's the safety issues. We want to love our neighbors. There's the testimony to our community. I'm thankful for our Assemblies of God leadership. They're guiding us well, spiritually and legally through all this. And we'll get through it. But in the meantime, I want to remind you why we're here. We're here to inspire lifelong relationships with Jesus. And we're still doing that. And we can continue to do that. That's our primary focus. The lens of the gospel, the lens of the kingdom, compassion and love and just a a steadfastness of trusting God no matter what, of humbling ourselves and preferring others before our own interest. Whatever you're going through, friends, God cares. And we care here at Wenatchee First Assembly. I mean that. I know some of you are really frustrated. Some of you are in a lot of pain. Some of you have fears. Some are angry. There are some of you that are so lonely because you need fellowship. And then there's some who just want to get out of the house and have some peace and quiet. We're all coming from different angles. But the Lord wants to meet you where you're at. And if there's any way whatsoever we can help you, I want you to do something right now. I want you to like the link in the comment section. If you like that, one of our staff will contact you this week to help you. If you need prayer, if you need a scripture, if you need encouragement, if you need food, if you need help with your rant, if you just need someone to talk to, we care. So would you do that? Would you like in the comments and we'll contact you? Before we look into the word, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for both our families who have lost loved ones. I want to pray for our nurses and the congregation. Man, some have gone through some difficult times. We want to pray for our health care workers. We want to pray for those of you that are out of work, struggling to pay bills. Let's pray for our president. Let's pray for our governor. Let's pray for our mayor. As they do their best to make good decisions. Let's pray for the scientists and those in medical research that are working in a vaccine. Let's pray for our spiritual leaders. I want to pray for you that have been consumed with fear and panic, not able to sleep at night, that God will give you the peace that passeth all understanding. Lord Jesus, I pray for this dear congregation here at Wenatchee First Assembly. I pray for those who are joining us live online this morning. Father, we're all looking at this thing through different lenses, and we're all affected in different ways. But Lord, as we are anchored in Jesus, we know that he will bring the healing and the hope that we need. We pray for our government officials. We pray for our spiritual leaders. We pray for our health care workers. We pray for small business owners. We pray for those who are so lonely and others who are so overwhelmed. God, whatever the need is, I pray that we will be your hands and feet to meet that need. And we pray, oh God, that you will give us the grace, give us the wisdom, 
Give us the hearts of love. Give us a humble spirit as we walk forward in the days ahead. Amen. Amen. Take courage, my friend. Take courage. God's grace, God's power. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ is more than enough to get you through and to get us through as a church. You know, we celebrated Easter last month, and uh, many of you are familiar with that details of that story. Jesus was arrested on a Thursday night. Right after he had shared this wonderful meal that we call the Last Supper, he instituted what we call communion or the Eucharist. That was on a Thursday night. And after eating that final meal with his closest followers, he was quickly sentenced to death. He was placed in a borrowed tomb after he was crucified, and many of his followers abandoned him. They ran away for fear. Things were upside down. Everyone thought that everything was changed forever, that the good times were over. But as we know, on Sunday morning, on the third day, he rose from the dead. Hallelujah. Jesus is alive. And because he lives, we can face tomorrow. And once again, he was filled with the breath of life. He proved that he has power over death. And I want you to know that he has power over whatever you are dealing with today. He has power over anything that the future will hold. I want you to know, friends, the power of the resurrection of Jesus is available for you today. And I want us to look at three individual stories found in the Gospels about the impact that the resurrection had on these three individuals. Why are their stories important? Because you and I can find ourselves in these characters. We can learn from them. And the first character is that of Mary. Mary struggled with grief, just as some of you are struggling with grief. Maybe not just the death of a loved one. Maybe it's the grief of not being able to see your family, not being able to have the graduation party that you had planned, not being able to meet here in a building and worship. There's grief involved. Anytime there's separation, there's grief. And that's exactly what Mary was going through. Mary and the disciples went to that tomb. Remember, early in the morning, and it was empty. Nothing was in there. And they couldn't imagine what had happened. Before his death, Jesus had become such an enemy of those in power. The first assumption was that his body had been taken away, maybe stolen. And maybe plans that would further embarrass his disciples. And the disciples left, but... Check it out. Mary stayed at the tomb where outside of the tomb she sat in her grief and she wept. She cried. Let's read it, shall we? John chapter 20, verses 14 through 18. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Pause for a moment. Sometimes Jesus is right with us too, and we don't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? 
Jesus asked her, who are you looking for? She thought that he was a gardener. Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you put him, and I'll go get him. And Jesus called her by name and said, Mary. And she turned to him, and she cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. And he said, don't cling to me, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. Today is Ascension Day. In many churches around our country, they are celebrating the ascension of the Holy Spirit of God, of Jesus, back to God. And here he says, don't touch me yet because I have not yet ascended. But go find my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. And then she gave them his message. As I read this story, I think about Mary outside the tomb, just so devastated as many in our country are today, many in our community are today. Broken spirit, hopes, plans shattered. Her world, in many ways, has come to an end. All she could do is remember how things used to be. Oh, remember the good old days? That describes many of us because, you know, it'll never be the way that it was. Oh, we'll get back together. We'll have a new normal, but it's going to be different. But it's okay because Jesus is with us. Some of the other disciples already made plans, of course, to carry on with their life. We know that. But Mary could only stare at that empty tomb and cry. Her grief was that great. And we've all had reasons to grieve in the last eight or nine weeks. And there might be more grief to come. It may seem that one aspect of your world has come to an end and things will never be the same. And even though that's true, I want you to know that in the midst of your grief, in the midst of the change, Jesus is there with you. Oh, look at this wonderful scripture from Psalm chapter 34. King David said, The Lord is close to those who are broken in heart. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. There's a reason that we know that these are not just empty words. Jesus Christ conquered death. He's alive, and he promised that he'd be there. And someday, the Bible says, he'll wipe away every tear from our eyes, and death will be no more. That's the day that we're looking for, that blessed hope. Man, if you're grieving right now, friends, over a loss of some kind, whatever that might be, I encourage you to take a moment to listen. Just as he called Mary's name, if you listen, he's calling your name. He wants to be there with you in your grief. He's saying, I'm here with you. I've defeated death. My grace is more than enough to get you through. Mary dealt with grief. The second character I want to look at today is that of Peter. Oh, man, Peter, he was dealing with something totally different. He was dealing with the guilt and the shame of his past. We all know what Peter did. He denied Jesus three times. This is the apostle that seemed to be the chief of all apostles. Anytime you read through the gospel, Peter's name's always listed first. 
He seemed to be kind of the leader, but he was up and down in his emotions, up and down even in his ability to execute what he wanted to and what he knew was right. We all know that during that last supper that I referred to a few minutes ago, Jesus told Peter, Peter, you're going to deny me before the beginning of the new day, before the rooster even crows in the morning. And Peter said, oh, no, Lord, no, that's one thing I'll never do. I'll never do that. Some of us have always said, Lord, we're going to trust you no matter what. We're going to trust you no matter what. And all of a sudden, our world's upside down, and we're going, ah, what's going on? And we're almost ashamed of that feeling, as Peter was. Because after that dinner, just a few hours later, Jesus was on trial for his life before the high priest. And someone in the crowd said, hey, look, there's the guy that was with Jesus. And Peter said, no, not me. No, no, yeah, no, I, you must have been mistaken. A little more time passed, the Bible says. And another man pointed his finger at, Jesus, at Peter and said, you were with Jesus. And for the second time, Peter said, no, no, I, I probably look like somebody that you saw, but it wasn't me. And then it happened a third time. You know what Peter did? He lashed out. He became angry. Some of you might be angry right now. Anger is often the manifestation of shame, of guilt, of depression, of frustration. And Peter lashed out. He says, I don't know what you're talking about, but it wasn't me. And then he remembered what Jesus had said. And he wept. And his past turned to grief. And I'm sure Peter thought, man, it's all over. I have blown it. Maybe some of you have made a step to follow the Lord. Yet, you've kind of fallen in the ditch. You've kind of found yourself on the broad path. And you're back out in the weeds. And you're thinking, I can never do this. I want you to know, friends, Jesus is with you. Jesus is there. I'm sure Peter thought it was all over. It wasn't over for him, and it's not over for you. It's not over for you no matter what your past is, no matter what your reaction has been during this pandemic. Fast forward to Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday morning, right after Jesus had risen from the dead. Remember this angel of the Lord came, and he spoke to the disciples, and he said, Jesus is alive. And he included two words that made all the difference for Peter. Mark chapter 16, verse 7. The angel said, now go, tell his disciples, comma, including Peter, comma, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. And you'll see him there just as he told you before he died. Two words, think about those two words and how they must have ministered to Peter. Peter thought his past had disqualified him. Maybe you think you're disqualified because you've fallen back into a sin. Maybe you think you're disqualified because you've become angry and 
you haven't handled this pandemic the way that you were hoping you would when your faith was tested. But don't take on that false guilt. Go tell the disciples, including Peter. Who again? Peter. Peter, you know the one that proved himself to be a quitter? The one that proved himself to be a coward? Yet Jesus made sure that Peter knew that his grace was sufficient, that God was more than enough. The guy who's run out, who has enough guilt and shame to last a lifetime. The one who has every reason to think that Jesus might be finished with him forever. And be sure to tell Peter, Jesus is alive. Tell him that all's forgiven. I really sense there's some of you that are watching or that are struggling. You, you felt the same way. What I've done is just too much to forgive. It's just too much to forget. God could never accept me now. I've blown it. I want you to know that is not true. That is a lie of the enemy. No matter what your past may be, even if you've done things that you're ashamed of, God's mercy, oh, Lord, have mercy upon us. It's available to us. Then when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the price for our sins and our shame and our past. Any punishment we've deserved been paid in full. And you can be forgiven, not because you deserve it, because certainly none of, it, none of us deserve it, but because God's mercy is great. It's more than enough to set you free from the power of shame, the power of your past. Whether it's the past from years ago or just the past from last week. When you let your frustration and anger lash out on your kids or your spouse or your neighbor. If you struggle with guilt and shame, friends, take a moment to remember two additional words, including Peter. And I'd encourage you to just add your name in there, including Jerry, including John, including Bob, including Susan, including Mary, because he's talking to us today. So there's Mary and her grief, and there's Peter and his past and shame and I want us to look at one more character. His name is Thomas. You probably have heard him referred to as the doubting Thomas because Thomas struggled with doubts. This same chapter, John chapter 20, goes on to say that the disciples gathered together behind locked doors. They were afraid, of course, because of the religious leaders uh, might come and arrest them and they knew that that's what he, they did with Jesus. And so they were worried. And suddenly, in spite of the locked doors, <laughs> Jesus appears, which is pretty supernatural. And the first thing he said was, peace to you. All through the scriptures, that seems to be the common thread, the greeting of the angel, the greeting of our Savior. Peace. Jesus wants you to have peace. And the Bible says that Jesus showed those disciples his hands. They could see the nail prints. Showed him his side where he was pierced with the sword. He confirmed that it really was him. That he had raised from the dead. Well, Thomas wasn't in that room. Thomas was not with them at the time. 
later when Thomas uh, was with them, they were again together in a similar situation, and Jesus appeared to them, and he addressed Thomas right off the bat. And it's amazing. He didn't condemn Thomas. He didn't make Thomas feel guilty. He didn't do any of that. There was no criticism whatsoever. He looked at Thomas and he said, Hey, Thomas, place your finger here. Place your finger here. See my hands? Touch my side. And at that moment, Thomas knew this is the resurrected Messiah. This is Jesus Christ. Now, there would be some that would criticize Thomas, saying his faith was weak. And there will be people in this day and age that will claim that your faith is weak because maybe you don't see through the lens that they see through. I don't think that was right. It had nothing to do that Thomas had weak faith. It's simply that he wanted to see the same evidence that the other disciples had already seen. And Jesus graciously provided that for him, just as Jesus will graciously show himself strong so that you can believe. We want to believe. I know you want to believe. Whatever your doubts are, Jesus wants to come in and show himself. Jesus didn't turn his back on Thomas because of doubts, and Jesus won't turn his back on you. If you're questioning, where is God in all this? How come things have unraveled so quickly in our world? Hey, Jesus is there with you. Stop doubting and believe, Jesus said. See, Thomas wasn't looking for a reason to doubt. Thomas wanted a reason to believe. And Jesus appeared to him and showed him exactly what he needed to see. And Jesus will meet you and minister to you exactly the way that you'll be able to recognize and embrace. And of course, we know Thomas responded immediately. John 20, 18 says, My Lord and my God, he knew. Now, what can we learn from that story? Man, there are many of us who have questions and doubts and uncertainties about this time that we live in. Some might even have questions about the Christian faith. Where is God in all this pandemic? Others might have doubts. God's not hearing my prayers. Because we often tend to pray for what we want instead of saying, Lord, help us to be your hands and your feet in order to do what you want. I just want to encourage you, friends, if you're filled with uncertainty, if, you, if you're afraid that you can't face the coming day, I want you to know, just like Thomas, Jesus is ready to make himself known to you. Not merely as a spiritual figure or a great philosopher or a teacher or a religious leader. Jesus is ready to reveal himself to you as the Son of God, the anointed Messiah, the risen Savior. Jesus said in John chapter 20, verse 29, Jesus said, you believe because you've seen me, Thomas. Blessed are those who believe without seeing. 
God's ready to reveal as much as you need to know. If you're looking for a reason to believe rather than an excuse or a doubt or someone to cast blame, he'll come to you even when you're hidden behind locked doors. We all face uncertainties because we don't know what tomorrow will look like. But we can be assured of this, friends. Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, lives today, and he's more than enough. The power of the resurrection is more than enough to take you through tomorrow. He's with us. He'll provide for us. He'll build his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. We've looked at three stories today about the resurrection of Jesus and how it changed the outcome of individuals. What I love about these stories is that each one is personal, and I believe all of us can relate. A grief-filled woman cried at the tomb, and Jesus called her name, and he's calling your name today. As the angel announced the good news of the resurrection, he mentioned by name, tell Peter too. And as Thomas was hindered by a reluctance to believe, Jesus came to him and spoke directly to him. I know each of us have our own story. We have our own lenses. We have our own set of challenges. We have our own fears, our own hurts, our own regrets. And sometimes they may seem unbearable. But I want you to know that Jesus came to bear the burden in your place. He said, I'll never leave you, never forsake you. He said, surely I am with you until the end of the age. And let's not forget that wonderful scripture out of Isaiah chapter 41. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. After the crucifixion, the disciples had every reason to think that their world had come to an end. And then they discovered the risen Christ. And I encourage you to discover the risen Christ today and allow him to minister to you. He is more than enough, friends. Whether you're going through grief, whether you're going through fear, whether you're going through shame, whether you're going through doubts, he is more than enough. You can be sure his love, his mercy, his power, his presence is available to you. Now, I want you to take just a moment, wherever you are, and I just want you to pause and reflect just for, just for a few seconds. Would you still yourself? Maybe bow your head, close your eyes so you're not distracted by those things around you. Will you allow the Holy Spirit to show you your story? Is it a Mary story or a Peter story or a Thomas story? Let the Holy Spirit show you where he can meet your need and then open up your heart to his spirit. Let Jesus minister to you. Know that you're not alone. We're here to help you. As I said before, if there's anything we can do for you, just like the link right now that's in, in the stream, in the conversation, and we'll reach out to you.
Just take a moment. Lord, I thank you that no matter what we're facing today, you are more than enough and you will prove yourself strong on our behalf. You're our solid rock. All other ground is sinking sand, but we stand on you alone. Jesus Christ, Son of God, crucified, buried, and resurrected and coming again. Lord, I pray that you'll minister the hearts of every person who is watching this and that then you will meet them at the point of their need. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, I'm so glad that you're watching today. Thank you so much. We'll be back with another online service next Sunday at 9 o'clock. All sorts of things happening. Don't forget... Next week, we're going to honor our high school graduates. So we want you to come actually to the church in your car. We're going to maintain social distancing, but we're going to honor our graduates. We're going to drive through this reverse parade and cheer them on next Sunday beginning at noon. We love you. We're here for you. But most of all, Jesus is here for you, and he's more than enough. Until we meet again. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you.